1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A, a grain, all right. A, a grain, all right. It's going to tip the
2: scale. Just remember that, there's a small bit of a needle
3: there. Oh, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen and now there'll be roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold I'll declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisín McConville, by the former Mayo footballer, David Clark, by the former Galway footballer and manager, Kevin Walsh, and by the sports editor of the Irish Examiner, Tony Lean. We're going to be looking at football across all the provincial championships, at the enduring shambles that is the GEA's disciplinary system, but we're going to start with what's happening between Cork and Kerry and where their Munster semi-final will be played or not played. Tony Lean, where do things stand now?
4: Uh, I would say, Paul, we've probably gone from three scenarios to two. Uh, the three scenarios where the game's in Killarney, the game's in Park Irene, or the game's in a neutral venue, and which is probably going to be the Gaelic grounds in Limerick. From what I'm led to believe at this stage, Killarney seems to be off the table, which is the most ironic thing, given that that's the actual expressed choice of the Munster Council itself. Um, if I'm a betting man at this stage, well, I suppose it depends. The question I'd ask is how, in, how intransigent is the Cork football group right now? Because if the Cork football group and I met one of the players literally in the last 24 hours and I said to them, you know, are you going to go? And I got no sense whatsoever of a budge. And if that's the case, then. Oh, Limerick, Limerick, maybe Um, if they if they concede a small bit of ground, the key to it, Paul, really is Kerry, um, just like last year with the Tyrone semi-final and that's relevant to, to, to say here because there is still uh, kind of a constituency in Kerry of I told you so that was kind of whispering in people's ears last August when you know Kerry were talking about you know what they would do when people were saying you know you'll get no thanks for this and it's going to backfire if you actually you know let the game go back another couple of weeks and they were the ones that are whispering no again and you do this again. And you saw what happened against Tyrone last year. The Kerry executive are meeting this Wednesday evening, Paul. And they can make they can they can grease the wheels to some extent by actually saying, you know what, we don't care where the game is played, we'll go to Park Irene, we'll play the game, fix it for Park Irene. I think personally that's the best solution. That's easy for me to say sitting here in Cork. Um, I'm not part of the Kerry group. But I do get the sense from Jack O'Connor, and you know Jack O'Connor, Paul. I think Jack really is of a view that the game itself is more important than the venue. I mean, there is a genuinely real possibility still that this game doesn't get played. That Cork forfeit the game, which a member of the Cork executive pointed out to me last week, would be absolutely catastrophic, not even in the strikes of 2002, 2008 or nine, did Cork ever forfeit a championship game? This would be a new first and a new low if they were to do so. And but what th- would
3: what would bring them to forfeit the game? How would that happen?
4: Because you've got to you've got to appreciate where Cork football is at the moment. They have now taken a stand. They pressed the nuclear button. I don't believe they should have. I think that they were advised not to, but they still said no. We are not going anywhere. The Munster Council originally fixed this game for Park Arena. That's what we're preparing. That's the only place we're going to play the game. That boxed them into a corner, lads. And in that scenario, there's no options left. Given the standing of the Cork footballers in the county, they now know that once they've made that decision, they can't draw back from that decision. No, They just can't draw back. They are going... I don't want to use the word ridiculed, but they are going to look really, really poor, you know, from their point of view, if they actually say, okay, we'll go to Limerick. You know, we'll go to Killarney. So really the Cork footballers are looking for either, A, the Munster Council to bail them out by saying, okay, lads, you know what? Let's go. Let's play the game in Park Irene. Kerry, are you okay with that? Or B, Kerry steps up today or after today's meeting and says, yeah, you know what? We need the game. Because you got to remember, lads, Jack O'Connor's mindset is, if we don't get the Cork game, we literally have a monster final before we go into the All-Ireland series. And that's going to be probably against, take your pick, Clare, or Limerick, realistically. And then you're into the All-Ireland series. So it's a bad scenario for Kerry. It's a bad scenario for Cork. It's a bad scenario for the Munster Council. And if you want me to go around the hoses once more in terms of who's to blame for this shambles, there's a bit of blame to go around everywhere, probably except Kerry. Munster Council made a bags of the announcement. Once they said Parky Ream, why did they say Parky Ream? That's the first thing. I've obviously discussed the Cork players and you don't really want to go back to the whole Ed Sheeran, Parky, Queen, Cork executive, scenario. I mean, that ship has sailed at this stage. The concerts are going ahead. And we've seen, obviously, with other sports, Cork aren't the only ones to suffer in that regard. So you're looking for the Munster Council or Kerry, I feel, to bail the footballers out of a hole.
3: There is a precedent here, and it's the Newbridge or Nowhere line taken by the Kildare footballers, Kildare GA board, when they were due to play Mayo on a qualifier, and and it was said that Newbridge was too small. But, Tony, what I think is, different about that is that there was a broad based surge of popular support within the county of Kildare for their footballers where there's a really tight identification between the players and the supporters there is no sense of a popular swell of support behind Cork footballers here no,
4: no. and you see that's what I was saying unfortunately in terms of where the Cork footballers are at um you no, know, the, the hurlers probably did them a small bit of a favour in one respect on Sunday because everybody down here now this week is loading in on the hurlers. But at the same time I don't think the the, the the rating of the of cork football in the county has been this low for quite some time. Um it's just the perfect storm. Obviously, you have Keith Rickon having to take a step back for, for health reasons as well from the management. So he's no longer part of this process. Um, I think the executive in Cork have met with the players. They've said, go to Limerick. You know, I mean, do do the right thing. Like the right thing, by the way, the right thing, absolutely. And I've been panned publicly and on social media for saying this, but I say it again. I think the chances of beating Cork beating Kerry this year are as long as odds of the, as they've been for a long time. So why didn't Cork go to Killarney this year? give it their best shot. And I'd be interested with the three lads have been there and done that better than I have. But they had the guarantee then of the next two years in Parky Queen. This Cork team probably isn't going to be in as good spot in 2022 as it should be in 23 or 24. So go down to Killarney, try to get a performance, try to get something to build on. And then when you're better placed, you've carried in Parky Queen for the next two years. What's not to like about that? That surely was handing them a good deal on a plate and their response to that is no thanks not interested the game is in park Irene or we don't play it i'm not kevin
3: sure I'm, kevin I, if you were the cork football manager where would you where would you play this game what would you I be think, prepared to do I think,
2: to be honest, I think tony hit the nail on the head there i mean the last time i was on the show he asked me about this and i said at the time it was quite new the venue and i did say at the time i don't think the venue was cork's problem at the minute I think the problem is getting their act together and getting their own house in order. So, like Tony said there, absolutely, if there's a deal on the table for two years, I can not see why they can't do that. I mean, Cork did bring in the concert, it's there, so that's the reason they haven't got the pitch. And like that, I do think they need to get their house in order to be able to perform. And I do agree, I would always have said, and I always thought that there's certain Munster finals or Munster games where you'd expect a big performance from the underdog and it might be turned over. But I don't see that happening this year. I, you know, I was at the Cork games so at the Cork gallery game, I just think they're way behind where they should be. Uh, the Division Two was what I saw this year was very very poor and weak. So, and again, they just hung on the last day for a, for a, for a last minute kick. So, for me, I would like Tony. I was saying, go to Clare and get the game played there. Get your next two years, and you know, at the end of the day, the park Queen was from the Cork making anyway. So, yeah, I could, I'd, I'd have gone to Clare to and honest.
3: David, you played for Mayo in that famous Newbridge or nowhere match. Did 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 the run up to that game have any impact on preparations, or is it just is it largely irrelevant?
5: I think probably for us it was probably irrelevant. Now we we didn't perform, but I think maybe for Kildare, I suppose once you have a cause, you can definitely build something within the group. Looking at Cork, I suppose you said you know they're out of the web. They're um, new manager this year, trying to build something. They weren't going particularly well. They were probably probably at something. This could be our cause. We could try and you know take something out of it but um it probably comes from the leadership like I, where was the decision made was it the players or was it from the management I know in ourselves in situations like that I don't think we'd have any say in it when I was playing it was you were told by the management this is what's our situation that's the leader of the group and and you were going with that but um yeah it's quite a mess um I suppose you said that the interesting thing is that the community or that the county doesn't seem to be behind them I, I didn't see anybody in the news. I didn't see any murals yet on, on any walls. So it's <laughs> it's quite quiet. But from Kerry's side as well, you know, very quiet. I think they'll play the game wherever it's eventually fixed for. I don't think they have a major a major problem where it's going to be played because, you know, I think getting that game, as you said, is probably the most important thing for them. And they'll be quite confident, I suppose, wherever they play that they're going to they're going to get a victory. But it's uh, a mess, as we say.
3: I, I think if I was Kerry, I'd just say, let's go to Parky in. I think that's what I'd say. Go in and play it. I, I can't see a way in which they they lose the match. As controversies go, though, I think it pales beside the other news from this week, which is the Armagh players, Stephen Campbell, Kieran Mackin, and Aidan Nugent, clear to play in the Ulster Championship match against Donegal next Sunday. Previous to this, the proposed suspension for another Armagh player, Reen O'Neill, was also thrown out. Now, Stephen Campbell... Kieran Macken and Aidan Nugent had been suspended for contributing to a melee in a league match, also against Donegal a couple of weeks ago, and had been given a one match ban. Their appeal to the GA's Central Appeals Committee, one of the uh, great CAC, CCC, CHC committees that exist, so was the CAC, threw it out. And what gives this turn of events particular spice is that two Donegal players, Neil McGee, and Oren McFadden Ferry had also been suspended after the same match, also for contributing to, to a melee, but they accepted their suspensions. Usheen, what's going on?
6: I think you've explained it really well there, Paul. I think it's obvious that the Donegal 2 the Donegal obviously felt that they were guilty of something, so no point in appealing. Whereas the Army lads um, obviously felt that um, what they were suspended over um, was unjust. So if it's, you feel as if something's unjust, then you appeal against it. And uh, the two they,
3: Donegal lads were fighting with each other, were they?
6: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure who they were fighting with Paul, because I watched four different videos of it, and uh, and I I can't really see any. Punch has been thrown, uh, so I don't know what, When you're talking about contribution to a melee, um, but if I can go, if I can go, but to if one you're saying
3: they were guilty, hold on now, you were saying they were guilty, felt they were guilty. Were they guilty of wrestling with each other? What were they, like? What were they guilty of?
6: No, I said what I said was, I said that the Donegal lads themselves must, must have felt they were guilty of something whenever they didn't appeal. Okay, so that's quite different. But can we can we roll back a little bit, and can we roll back to last week and to Ryan getting off? Yeah, so, well,
3: yeah. Would you want to explain explain what happened there? Well, I'd, I'll explain this to you, right?
6: I'll explain this to you. And Tony, I like really would like Tony to to come in on this, okay? Because I don't want to get I don't want to be factually wrong, okay? But I, in my time watching Gaelic football and going about disciplinary rooms and, and disciplinary committees and hearing about how different people have got off and different things got. I've never heard of the CCCC um, watching, going and watching video evidence without an appeal going in. And that's what happened this time. And that break of protocol um, really would annoy me. And the reason why it would annoy me is that if it hasn't ever happened before, why did they go after uh, one player in that situation? And I think it was orchestrated. This, I think the row was orchestrated in the first place. Okay, so um, I didn't think that happened by accident. Uh, I, have a, I have a couple of different versions. Who, of who, video. who
3: orchestrated it? Think, I think Donegal orchestrated the row. And in the same way that Tyrone orchestrated the row previously in the athletic Grounds. It wasn't a row. That was, that was something that happened during the game. That was something that happened.
6: That was to do with, like, I had a I had a comment on this at the time. Uh, I wanted that stamped out because somebody got uh, Charlie Oakburn's in a headlock, and it was right beside just where there was a, concre- a concrete step running across. And I just thought it was it was very, very dangerous. And, uh, and I didn't think there was any need to suspend... Uh, four Tyrone lads at that time but I thought there was one lad who should have been suspended. And after that then um we get to this situation okay so we have a situation with Dublin and Kerry, you know, where it's glossed over. We have a bit of a laugh about it. Then we go up to Ulster. I think as I say it's orchestrated. I think that armor fell into the trap um and wanted to get off the pitch as quickly as possible. And the two, no disrespect to Neil McGee, but Neil McGee probably wasn't going to play a major role in the game anyway. Or McFadden Ferry, as much as he's an important player to Donegal, hasn't really played that much championship football in the last number of years. So Donegal were trying to pull a fast one again in that they were saying, "Ah, oh, listen, you know, we'll take the high moral ground here. You know, we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll accept those suspensions, knowing that they weren't really going to hurt them that badly anyway." And yet, Armagh were going to be faced with three suspensions and then four. And the fourth one is the one that annoys me. And the reason why it annoys me, and I know people are going to say, well, it's your nephew, your skin in the game and all that there. That's nothing to do with it. The, re- the thing that annoys me is that protocol was broken, that they would go and look at that video, um, knowing that that's not
3: the way they should have went about it. So, in case people are uh, pe- Can I ask you a question pe- on that actually just to come across you for one second? What did the video show that, that Rain did? I I don't
6: I don't know what the I don't know what the scene. I don't know. I I, I can't tell you what the CCCC scene. I, I, I don't I don't know the answer. Not easy to, that
3: to say question. that well done. Um um I, I I so this this is quite partisan Oshin. <clears throat> the way you're coming at this yeah uh, i'
6: no there's no I have no choice I, I, it's not something I'm just you know I'm not just throwing this out off the top of my head I mean like like there was this there was a serious social media campaign highlighting one player after that uh, after that game okay and it was all to do with rain and what rain did and how he, and all of those things. Now, so you're telling me that the gays who are sitting on this on that committee, okay, are are now being swayed by social media. So what they did was, oh, well, I'll tell you what. Listen, lads, there's a lot of word, a lot of things being said about about Ray and what he done. Let's go and look at the video. Went looked at the video and suspended him, which is not how you go. not how you go about things. And I want to ask Tony, in all of his time dealing with uh, committees. Has he ever seen a committee uh, do something like that completely out of, as I say, they didn't follow the protocol that had been followed for whatever number of years that committee is in place?
4: Okay, well, number one there, Oshini, you're confusing me with someone who knows something of how the inner workings of these committees operate. Nobody does. Number two, what I would say is, uh, you know, We can say with any degree of certainty, by the way, that the decision was made on the basis of social media. I would think, in fairness, that's that's a long stab. No, uh, I I would I would say because I I saw the incident at the time. um, And I think if I can bring it forward to something that Fergal Logan said last weekend, which I think is actually very relevant in this conversation, the whole definition of contributing to a melee, and you've got to remember you know, what Fergal Logan's um, professional background is in this, in terms of his, his ability to, to parse and analyse things. Um, contributing to a melee, Fergal Logan made the point in relation to the Conor McKenna sending off last weekend, that are we now no getting to a point where guys who go in and actually try to pull lads out of a row are actually being done and suspended, and he's arguing, obviously, McKenna was the case. No, who was doing what the day between Donegal and Armagh? You know, you have to say that's obviously going to be something that's going to be scrutinised in terms of video, not in terms of social media. You have to say that, Ushin. That's the first instance. Agreed?
6: I just I wonder how you would go to that video and pick out one player. That's all yeah. I'm saying.
4: Well, but isn't isn't that I think let's it was...
3: come back to the three players though who are named by the referee
4: right okay
3: how have they got off and where does that leave the referee's authority I am not sure how they got off okay I'm not
6: sure how they got off um, and I'll suggest uh, that Armagh have good lawyers I would hope so um, but I, I would suggest that that I was surprised that those players got off very surprised yeah, yeah. that those players got off. Not because of what they'd done, but because yeah, yeah. I would have expected the the that committee to back up the referee in whatever way they could. Yeah, now, I agree. No, they probably got off on the technicality, but I, I don't know the answer to that. I know Ryan got off on the technicality.
3: Yeah, because of the sequencing of the referee not being contacted before the video footage being used. Is that more or less the logic that I've heard explained? More or less. More or less, yeah and in 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 this I believe one, though, and,
6: and I believe I believe this is what I'm led to believe and I thought Tony might may have may have been able to back me up but I believe that that has never ever happened before
3: yeah I I, I I I agree I don't think I don't think that has happened but I'll, <clears throat> I I I w- I think there's something really interesting at issue here and that is the Tyrone four Tyrone players that were suspended after the incidents with Armagh in the in the athletic Grounds earlier in the year they they, um, the referee that day was David Goff, and the committee stood behind his decision. And Paddy Nealon is the referee in the last in the last game, and I think he's been abandoned here. Sure. And I also think I I, I I'm not sure I, I like I, I I I I disagree that there's an orchestrated campaign by by Donny Gall. I I've seen I haven't seen the evidence of that, but what I will say is, if there's to be natural justice here. And if you're getting those players off, then the two Donegal players should be free to play next Sunday. No, I don't agree. Why?
6: Because Donegal, again, we're trying to pull a fast one. They were trying no, to you fast can't fast. say they were.
3: that, Machine. No, you no, can't. That's, that's
6: just speculation. It's not speculation. It's it's obvious. It's obvious. They were trying to take the hay moral ground. They were trying to say, listen, you know, we'll take our suspensions because we... You know, they took responsibility no, I, for their actions. No, they absolutely didn't. They've they've appealed more decisions than anybody else in the country. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, that's what they did. They took the high and I don't know, I don't care what way this makes me look. I'm just, I'm telling you now that I know the sequence of events and the way it happened. I seen the video, I seen the video footage, and I, I didn't say an orchestrated campaign. I says the row was orchestrated, and it was, and I'm absolutely convinced of that. And
3: nothing will nothing change my mind by, by Donegal. And in, in this is this is Kevin. Can I ask you if you were if you were the manager of Arma or the manager of Donegal, would you have appealed either of those groups of suspensions?
2: To be honest, Paul, like, I'm listening to Oshin there in particular, and he's obviously gone through all this a hundred times. He seems to be very clear in what he's saying. So I have I have barely seen this. I've seen it on television once. I don't know exactly what went on with the players, but. I mean you'd want to be very, very strong or have people in high places to get you off, from my opinion, because anything you've ever done, the referee's backed up normally, so you know I don't know enough about the incident to, to actually answer your question ball, but from a manager point of view, you'd want to be very strong uh, in 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 what's going to back you up to get off in any in any kind of uh objection to to, to what's handed out to your team Technical, the great,
6: technicalities is usually how. Teams get off, players get off, and it's usually uh, if somebody's numbers wrong or if or if it's not written in Irish or some of this sort of stuff, and like it's absolute nonsense. I know it's
2: nonsense, but um, but I'll to be, be honest I'll... with you, but to be honest with you, like for me, this has fallen back to something I brought up over two years ago, and I keep bringing it up one referee and four linesmen who are qualified referees standing like plikes with a flag in their hand doing one job. Now, you look at American football, you look at anything, the white flag comes in if a referee sees something. It doesn't have to be the main man. For me, the GA is all about, it's my turn this Sunday. You stay quiet on the sideline. You'll have your day in the sun next week. This has to be brought forward. You've got very, very well, I would say, uh, experienced referees on sidelines doing absolutely nothing bare, bare waving a flag. It's crazy. All this type of stuff. You look at the amount of stuff that's gone off the, off the ball, right? And people we give, like to so David Goff, clap in the back for seeing two or three things on the far side of the field. What about all the stuff he missed? Now, you have to have somebody that's going to look after the stuff that's consistent, not just a referee saying, oh, fair play to me, saw this. What about the 100 things he went on at the same time? So all of a sudden, that referee is changing momentum for a game where he shouldn't have that power. For me, there's enough people on a sideline that are qualified to make calls and make the call. Not going to the referee, make that call, and you won't be long cleaning up the act of all this type of stuff. So for me, the GA has to look at the bigger reason why this is happening. And for me, it's down to the referees not being given the job on the sidelines.
6: And can I just say one more thing on that? And this is, this is 100% not having a go at referees. They made the amount of decisions last weekend that were made from 50 and 60 yards away from the play was mm-hmm. unbelievable. There's no ref... I don't care how fit you are, how, how much ground you can cover. You're not going to be able... See the modern-day lads when they break. There's absolutely no chance referees are going to be able to stay with them, and like I I I've said for four or five years now that it's high time we had two referees, one for each side of the field, and um you get laughed out of, you get laughed out of town because cause the first thing people will say is well you've got two you've got four umpires and you've got a third official or fourth official and you've got um you've got you've got two lanes man. but they're not contributing. They're not contributing in the way they should
3: contribute on exactly what exactly the, on exactly the point of Kevin's off the American. But, but it's a two stepper, though, isn't it? It's it's what happens on the field and then it's what happens afterwards in the process. And the current process is a product of what happened in 2004 when there were two high, high profile sending off Rory O'Connell, the Westmead midfielder appealed his sending off and suspension to the high court, got an injunction, was able to play in the Leinster final and then in the replay, Leinster final replay in which Westmead won their only Leinster senior football championship. And that same year, John Milan got sent off playing for Watford against Cork and Watford were duly beaten by Kilkenny in an all Ireland final by a couple of points. And John Milan hadn't gone to the high court, despite pressure to do it. And then a new system is constructed, which uh, led to the CCC, C, the CCH, the the CHC, sorry, and the CAC, and ultimately leading on to the Disputes Resolution Authority, which, in my view, lost all authority in 2015 when Dermot Connolly was allowed play in the replay for Dublin against Mayo. And if anybody wants to understand how really Brutal. That decision was from the DRA. They should read what David Rennick who was the dissenting voice on a two-one decision, said about that decision uh, at the time and afterwards. It's like it was a stunning decision to allow him play in that. Actually, David, I was just wondering, do you remember? Like th- th- that was the night before the replay, he was cleared. Do you remember any? Uh, do you remember any sense around that at the time?
5: Small bit of talk, but I can't, I can't, I can't remember overly thinking about it beforehand. But. um Obviously, he made he had a major impact on proceedings as yeah. as, as the do <laughs> as the to do. And yeah, um, look, everybody wants to see the best players playing. Uh, that's that's a given. But like, I don't know. I suppose the organisation is caught in between many ways between professionalism, uh, being yeah. a being a body out there trying to do things right. Showing examples to youngsters, like it's it's caught in so many angles. But like as it's happening now, it's like technicalities is just unbelievable that so so many things are getting off. Like you're leaving, as it's been said there, you're left you're leaving referees and some of their decisions and rules. You know you're leaving them out to dry. Um, it it, I know there's a serious shortage of referees in Mayo. Um, going up the levels, then obviously there's complaints about referees and their quality. But like it's a hard job and if you're supposedly being protected by your by your organisation and then all of a sudden that this technicality keeps on being allowed to be an option to let people out of. And in fairness, we can say what we want, whether they were serious or not. It doesn't look good in the game, those type of incidents. Whether it was instigated by Donegal or whether it was a spur-of-the-moment thing, it, it doesn't look good. And I think it, it definitely drifts down throughout the game. Like it's, uh, and then the... the the dissent in voices from I'm involved with different underage teams now. When you can see that that basically the referees or the, the have made a bad decision, like it, it it's always a bad decision. Uh, and it comes over they're always wrong. Uh, I, I think I think it doesn't do answer for the game. Now I don't know. Once once you could see things going to the high court and stuff like that, I think the whole game that time it it changed a lot of things. It it, it basically said that there's no <laughs> There's no rule. We'll keep on fighting everything. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, there was rules brought in about the third man in, like, uh, to, a, to a melee. And I remember, I think Tom Parsons got caught one night. We were down in in Curry, and he was, I think he was one of the first men he was made an example of. But then all of a sudden, that'll disappear for a few months, or maybe a few years. And then, I think, was it there the last day again? It's, it's brought back up, so they've decided to start using it again. Will he get off? You know, he may get off again. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's, there's a, a huge bigger picture, uh, and it's it's hard to know where 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 it's going to go, but I think in the end for that game, I think it's changed the whole dynamic of the game, and I think it'll probably be a better game because of the players that are released to play, and I think it may change the dynamic in in terms of, Armagh's favour, but um, it's um, it's again, it's <laughs> it's a major talking point of the GA, and it's, it's, it's something that needs to be cleaned up. Though,
3: I I think it does it does allow Armagh have. Have a huge like allows Armand have much better players on the field, but at the same time, it's something that could be a rallying call for Donegal, or, or is that irrelevant?
5: Yeah, I suppose they've got a cause, I suppose it's the, of the day, but I think I, I definitely think Armand getting them players back, they're, they're a real key players for them. I think this is the game they've been targeting all year, they never give up on the, on the chance of them being involved, so I think they've, they've been probably planning planning towards this, I think it'll give them a, a real boost. Um, there are teams that that's developing nicely, but, yeah, uh, I suppose, yeah, Donegal will get that cause as well, but I'd, uh, I'd, I wonder... I'd be tipping, tipping Irma.
4: i just ask one question, Paul, on this. I wonder, will we ever get to a point in the GAA when you're watching a game and you see a red card and you can say with any degree of certainty that that player is going to miss the next important game? I can say that in the, I can when I see someone sent off in the Premier League, when I see someone sent off in rugby, I can say with certainty, OK, he's out for the next day. He's going to be a big miss. I wonder will we ever get to that point in the GAA. And if we don't, which we can't, why won't we?
3: There is a great cultural tradition within the GA of the objection as well. If you go back through the decades, the amount of matches that were won in committee rooms and decided in committee rooms are they're they're quite sensational in in terms of the number. I don't think it's quite as bad as it was. do, Oshin, do you do you now think that Armagh will beat Donegal? Yeah, I think uh, getting those players off. I think
6: uh, I, look, a Kieran Mackin, that's widely known, probably won't play in the game. Um, he's got a pretty serious injury. Um, but Aidan Eugen, you know, after rain, I suppose you depend on him big time for scores. Stephen Campbell just gives everybody a lift coming off the bench. Um has done um and is a, is an absolute key player for Arma. Um but yeah I think it I think it it leaves the game pretty much fifty fifty.
3: Do you have you lost faith in Donegal?
6: Yeah I I lost I, I thought Donegal four years ago were the team that could come and dominate I don't think they've brought the players through at the same at the at the pace that they could have. Probably think that they stuck with a few of the older boys maybe just a little bit too long, and those players who have come through haven't really been given the opportunity to blossom. I see you were asking Gallen, who I thought was one of the next big things as far as Ulster football was concerned. I see it looks as if he's not fit again. Um, so yeah, so like I think the. The, there's a real question mark, and, and they'll be questioning themselves. I, I don't think they've become a bad team overnight, but they just have an inability to win the big games, and that has happened for the last four years now. And and you could say that they're they're a little bit like Kerry in that respect, in that they still have, even though they've they've proven a lot of things, they've won a fair degree of, of big games, they've won their Ulster Championships, but it really came to the crunch. They haven't been able to do it, so... Um, so hopefully that is continued to the weekend. <laughs>
3: David, when you when Mayo were lining up to play Donegal in matches, what were you trying to what were you trying to do to get at them to stop them when they were attacking and then to expose them in the back? What, did you have plans?
5: Um, I suppose it's probably a slightly different team at the moment, but maybe going back the the last big game that both uh, Mayo and Donegal played was that game in Castlebar. Um, yeah, qualifier
3: three years ago. Yeah,
5: yeah. Um, was it a Super Eight or something? Super Eight, um, sorry, yeah, Super Eight. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a lot of pressure on us. We probably weren't going great. That was probably another one of those games. you are going back to the year, Johnny Gall. It was their time. They were after putting up a good, I think, performance at the draw with Curry or the a week or two before that. Like you know, they were they were right in in the mix. They were being talked talked high highly up, but um. I in Castlebar. I remember it was a rocking atmosphere. Jeez, it was it was one of those days that you, you were. I was actually. I think I was injured. I wasn't. I wasn't tired, But um, massive atmosphere. I, I suppose like Mayo played the way they play. <laughs> high intensity, high pressure. Try and try and tackle up high. Um, I remember that day particularly. They tried to bypass midfield. Tony were quite strong around the middle of that time. Uh, Aidan O'Shea matched up against Michael Murphy. And tried to nullify him. Um, did well. On that day, um, we probably rode our luck as well. There was a penalty and different incidents. But um, I remember, yeah, we, we went long with kicked out tried to bypass probably midfield, which was something different for me. It, it was a new kind of tactic, something we hadn't done a whole lot. And um, that worked. But, like, it's uh, it, it's interesting watching Donegal the last number of years. Like They have actually brought forward a number of, you know, good players. But if you watch them, and it, it's a good thing to say about certain teams, you can tell the way they're coached, or you can see you can see what they're trying to do, but it doesn't always work out for them. They're they're you know quite slow coming up the pitch off the shoulder. Sometimes they don't mind even letting the team retreat, and then they'll start developing. Um, there was a bit of light, I suppose, well, if you watch the Dunny goal game against Dublin in the league, a bit more space, bigger pitch, nicer day. You could see them playing a bit more, you know, kicking football, getting a bit more space. So that, but that seems to happen to every team that plays in in Crow Park. It, it's like a different game of football. Um, I don't think it can read a whole lot on the league. I th- I think, um, y- you know, it, it can be – the weather can play, you know, it can play an awful impact on games and, you know, performances. Uh, but I'm not sure about these provincial venues either. I think Donegal might be a bit more suited if they get into a bigger pitch, faster pitch. Weather may be a factor this weekend again. But um, they do have players that can kick scores from distance. And that that, that, that is something that isn't always um, – with a lot of teams, I know ourselves and Mayo wouldn't be one of our attributes, but if they have if they have that and 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 they get they get a high percentage of those, you know, it, it keeps them in any game. Uh, but they have they have certain players that are hard to know are are, are the same. Like Jamie Brennan is a player at this time; he absolutely flipping you know ruins teams. But sometimes then you don't see him in games, or he's not he's not he's not maybe deemed as a starter. He he brings them something different. But again, like there's a lot of players we probably talk about Galway later on, but like. The fellas, is I know from playing when you see Michael Murphy at the edge of the square, because he definitely brought a different dynamic? And uh, is he going to be in, left in there long enough? Does he have to do more work out the pitch? And and he ends up maybe doing a lot of hard work. Whereas if if he gets the right time in there and he gets gets maybe the right ball, I know Armad probably going to counter mm-hmm. that. But it's uh, it, it can it can change uh, it can change the dynamic of games, you know. They probably do a bit of luck as well. I think the, the last couple of games, although they've lost them, there was there was periods in all those games they could have won them. You know.
3: Yeah, there were there were. Tied to them. Is Damien Comer one of those people who, if you players, if you see them in the full forward line, that you know it's it has that Michael Murphy type effect.
5: That's yeah, that's, that's the man. I'm thinking like he he's dangerous. Like in fairness, when you see him running with the ball, like he's he's very hard to stop. But a lot of it, is he's out to the forty five and he's cutting across. And he, in fairness, to him, he'll beat two or three players, but um. He's got this haymaker of a swing. I have seen it down through the years and it comes into the square and he's he's getting this punch over his head. And I think he's seen it two or three times in the league last year, and it's definitely going back through the years and one of them are going to hit the net someday. But he's um he's definitely an animal. But look, the but game who, doesn't who will probably... pick
3: him up. Who will pick him up uh, for Mayo against Galway?
5: Yeah it may go to who first of all who's going to pick up Shane Walsh I suppose and then sorry I'll go back to who's going to be fit first of all for Mayo is going to be a, yes. a major thing so you're going to have to have legs on Shane Walsh so that's probably going to be Paddy Durkin or Oisin Mullen I suppose if the two of them are fit you have a great thing um, I don't know would Paul kahora or maybe Lee Keegan may, may, may wait in the full back line with him uh, could be you know strength wise uh, but he does tend to roam so it's uh, it's interesting but I know there's um, there's probably going to be uh, the big question is who's going to be fit for Mayo and then can they, can the work around that?
3: So, uh, so Steven, you who who's in and who's out?
5: Jeez, I I I am like I, once you're away from it, you don't ask uh, too many questions anymore. You don't get too many answers. Maybe should I put it? But uh, I think there's a hope that Paddy Durkin is going to be fit. Jim O'Connor is going to be fit. You'd be hoping maybe O'Shane Mullen. Um I'm not sure other than that, like uh what's what's the situation what i i know jordan finn is definitely supposed to be out he seems to have picked up a bad injury you know at the end of the league so final the, yeah, yeah
3: so the that, last that, couple that. of the last couple of minutes and kevin um will galway beat mayo on 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 the weekend do
2: you know paul i i suppose one the, of the, the few weaknesses that have shown up in both teams in the last few weeks have been the full the full backline so we're talking about michael murphy and damien comer will will they be left exposed um you know I just, back to, I think Dave mentioned about Mayo pressing high up the field and stuff. I'm not so sure that your team, David, is as good now as it was three or four years ago at pushing up front. You had a very fit Kevin McLaughlin. You had you had, you had um, Killian O'Connor in the field. You had, what do you call the full forward there? Um, you had three, three or four. They just were very, very good. You
3: had Andy Moore and able to do a bit of work as well. Andy and Moore and players the across the line able to work.
2: To work. And, and actually Doherty. Sorry, Doherty, I like thing I think of those guys were really, really aggressive in, in, in stopping backs coming out. So I just noticed in the last few games like that the, the Mayo fellas up front aren't as aggressive as that, which means the team are getting out maybe five or six seconds quicker. And that leaves your back then exposed. So if you saw O'Hora with, with Clifford and stuff, I don't think you got any protection whatsoever. Um, again, if Galway can get out quick enough, if Mayo do, do a high press, they could do damage. Damien and could do damage regardless who's been on him. And, uh, but I would say... I don't think Galway can afford to leave their own back isolated. I think every time they've done that against Mayo in the last two years, they've beaten them out the gate. So, look, at, it's going to be. I do expect the Galway will go ties the back. I was at the Clare match in Tune. It was one-two at each half time, and it was just on about fifteen. It was actually fifteen behind the ball the first fifteen minutes behind, and I don't even have the ball behind the halfway line. And that was Galway, That's how Galway start playing against clear. So maybe they're getting ready for Mayo. I don't see them going to leave Mayo themselves exposed at the back. But likewise, something has turned up in the Mayo defence at the minute that they're not as good stopping the ball coming out. So it's really hard to call Paul, to be honest. It really is really hard. I think the injuries David spoke about, that's going to be huge for Mayo to get those boys back in. Because, you know, if, if Damien Comer and Shane Welcher are stopped, um, where's the rest of them going to come from? It's so Other guys will have to step up. And, you know, it's a relatively young Galway team. They're not proven leaders yet. You talk about any goal. The Frank McGlyns and, and and the Gallers this world are gone out in the goal at the minute. And you can see it a mile away. I know they're not getting over the line, but there's a reason for that. Their leaders aren't there. While they can shoot from far distances, it's just the guys that goes in the trenches, I don't see it. I don't see it from the goal that three years. Um I know we all hear about you can see their coach and is this and that, but it's time for them to move up the gear and I, I don't see it happening at the minute. But back to Mayo Galway. It's if Galway don't protect their back line, Mayo could do off a of damage. And um but I expect they will.
6: O'Shean, how do you see it? Well, first of all, it's a game I'm looking forward to because, um, like, just like the boys outlined, I mean, there's a number of different ways in which these teams can go about it. Uh, I actually thought that uh, the Derry game was fairly good practice, you know, as far as goal were concerned. I thought uh, they played that game really, really well because I actually thought that Defensively, they look a lot better than they did. Without taking too much away from how they operated up front, um, I think Mayo are going to be reliant. Like, Diarmuid O'Connor's the big question mark over him. Like, if he's not fit, like that's you know that's a that's a major um that's a major plus for Galway. I think uh, Mayo are going to have to slightly tweak things and change things. Uh, you look at the Tyrone game towards the end of that game. You look at the many ball. You know how much ball they kicked away. Kevin McLaughlin kicked away. You know four or five balls, one after the other, and um, trying to get the ball into the full four lane. There probably just isn't. They they probably just not at that stage at the minute where they you have that option of using that much, uh, long ball into the full forward lane or even any sort of ball into the full forward lane. And I think at the mo- moment Mayo should just uh, rely on mainly on just uh, numbers coming from defence, the likes of Dorkin and the likes of uh, Keegan breaking the lane. So, uh, Matthew Ruan, um, I think that's where their strengths lay. And I think, uh, you know, Galway are going to be in a great position if, if Mayo maintain this thing that they have to kick the ball into the, into the four lane. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I'm all for it. I'm all for mixing it up a little bit because it keeps the other team honest. Uh, but I don't think Mayo really have that option at the minute. And, uh, and those options are few and far between. So I think it depends a lot on uh, on how many times Mayo give the ball away in the final third if they're to win this game. I actually think Mayo will win the game because I do think they have enough players who can come from the middle and come from the half back line and, and get scores for them. But uh, I think, you know, they're relying a lot on Randall Donahue up front um and there's a good possibility that he could be nullified and if he is then there's a massive onus on the players coming from elsewhere but you know when i look as i say that's her own game sort of highlighted it for me you know with 10 minutes to go in the game only looked like one winner you know and they started to change things and started to hit try to hit the full four nine a bit a bit earlier and that just wasn't working for them so i think just very very patient maybe towards the end of the game, Galway have to come out and play and then you've got the opportunity to get in behind them. But um, I think this is a game where where Mayo have to revert back to um, huge energy and uh, their big players coming from the back and kicking scores.
3: So I, 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 I agree with a lot of that. And I, I, take, I take what David said earlier <coughs> about not... Relying too much on league form, but I was at the league finals and I I know Mayo were short, but they were really poor. And in the first game between Galway and Ruscommon, I thought what Galway did really well against Ruscommon when Roscommon tried to run the ball. I thought Galway got back quite well. And as you said, Kevin got a lot of players back as they did against Clare and slowed up. Was common really seriously and where Roscommon had joy. Roscommon have brilliant forwards and where Roscommon had joy was when they got the ball in quickly to their forwards and managed to take on the Galway full back line, which was in the Mignas every time the ball went in pretty quickly. But Mayo, Mayo's inside forwards are not as good as 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 Roscommon's are, I I don't think, as things stand. And I agree with you, i seen that Mayo have to run it, but I think Galway are well set up to deal with it. I, I have a feeling that Galway might just shade might just shade this one. And it 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 is though it is though again a tight game. And the first game in Castlebar is what's the feeling like in, in Mayo David after last year's All Ireland final? Is there is there a is is there an urge to go again or is the general sense in the county is there a hangover from that from
5: that loss? Yeah <coughs> strange and in some ways, like I, I think getting to the final last year was an amazing achievement, I think, from from the year before the the turnover of players, the development of the squad. Uh, but afterwards there's a feeling around the place that we didn't perform on the day. Um one that again that was you know, it, it really hurts sometimes uh, in some people's minds more than other ones that it was is one that we should should have won, you know, could have won, that maybe Tyrone aren't a Dublin of a number of years ago. That that was in all Ireland. But like if, if you if you step back from it and myself being involved in the squad up to not so long ago, I th- I think the work that was done to get that far was amazing. Uh things are a bit subdued this year. Um in funny ways we, we they were scraping a few wins in the league earlier on. Probably built up a bit of expectation. Uh the last couple of rounds obviously probably a lot of things hit home. But uh I, th- I think there's a, a, a really subtle management. There's a lot of experienced players there. You can put a spin on it that uh, our game is probably based on, you know, high and energy, as, as you said. If that's a small bit off, as Kevin said, all of a sudden the ball is getting out that bit quicker. All of a sudden you're not getting a bit of cover back and next thing you're destroyed. Uh, and on the flip side of that, without some of your real key players with real engines, real pace, um, we're not the same animal going forward. So that's, that, that's some of the players I was missing. So look, you, you can spin Anthony everywhere. Like you look, looking at Galway. Like I suppose you're thinking, are, are there real, are there real pressure this year? Third year of, of a management team, that, swapped things around, um, with coaches, S and C, um, they're again, I think they wanted to win that league final and they didn't. There's going to be question marks there in their own heads. Um, I think they've definitely become a lot more steady. I think there's a, it. It was funny there for a few years. I think even in Kevin's time, those players coming and going from the panel, you don't you don't quite see that with Mayo. They're very settled. You don't see fellas walking away from it. Uh, fellas that are there a long time, or fellows that are there new, they all want to be there. You know, they all believe in in the project. Um, or whatever whatever's trying to go on, they they all believe that there's an opportunity there. To is there still to, belief to in. in
3: Mayo? Is there broader belief in James Horn in Mayo?
5: I think. <clears throat> some people will say that the, that that's not not there as, as much as it was a number of years ago. But being a player on the ground or being being someone that was there a number of years ago, I think it's definitely there from the players, and that's that's probably the most important thing. Obviously, this weekend is going to be a huge test after the league final. But then, funny enough, I was thinking about it: if they did, if they wear down some of these players and they didn't get the result, I don't think it'll be the end of the world for them because the qualifiers I think it's the same amount of games. You might have an extra few weeks to get some of these lads a bit fitter, get some of these lads back. Uh, the reality is, without some of these marquee players—Paddy Durkin's pace, Oshie Mullins' pace, maybe Jim O'Connor—probably not the same team. You know, not a, every team has got three or four players that are you know nearly indispensable. You need them. You need them to to be able to be at your best. And uh, maybe that that um that league final could be a marker in the season. Kick everything on ramp up that that intensity from, from being around the camp like basically the game is based on intensity if you get that up to 80 90% of your max you have an opportunity to compete i know there's, there's talk about tactics and you need a second game plan and a third game plan you can have all the game plans but if you don't have that intensity especially with mayo everything can can, can drop and it's been seen down through the years you know we come back into the pack with teams you know we play sometimes at their level but um i think would it have been a new a new day in McHale Park. I think the pitch is a bit bigger. It's going to be a bit faster. It's something they've definitely been targeting. Uh I, I think the tra I won't say the train hard during the league, but I, I don't think they eased off uh towards the latter stages of the league once they were they were safe. I think <clears throat> and it's a really unfortunate thing that the league final was so close to the first round of championships, you know. It it nearly devalues the league final because, you know, the be all and in endow from Galway and Mayo was probably this game and this uh, game, yeah, yeah,
3: there is one eye on this. And I, I, one one final question on the Mayo team for Sunday would you play Aiden O'Shea?
5: Me, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely would. Yeah, Where would yeah, you play I'd him? Think... Like, I'd, I think he'd play around different areas. I'd like to see him probably maybe start center forward. I think he'd go into full forward. He's done a lot of damage in the past against Galway, but as the game progresses, like, he, he's one of the fellows that normally would get back, maybe to be that extra bit of help. Uh, again, go with midfield as well. There is probably more mobile midfields uh, out there. You know, he might match up okay against somebody, whereas there's other games maybe I mightn't, might, mightn't suit for him. Um, but, um, yeah, I definitely play him. I think he brings a lot to the team. Would you play him?
2: Would you play him? Um, speaking of David was a lot more about him than I do, but, but i put it to you. Um, when I came into Galway first, I... I Aiden would be a massive threat. And like David said, they're full forward, very, very hard to handle. But at the same time, when you've got a system put around them uh, and you put them in full forward, I wouldn't see a major threat at all in them and I haven't seen the last number of years. Um, I know Kevin McStay was roaring and shouting about they found a place for Aiden O'Shea when they beat the goal by 20 points in Chimney Stadium three or four years ago. That's because goal, we didn't leave any help at the back. So again, you know, he was full forward the following day against her own and done nothing. So for me, uh, I'm not so sure I'd play him. Um, and if it was playing, I think David made a valuable point. I would think about I would play on midfield on Sunday if I was playing him. I think he may well suit Paul Conroy. Paul Conroy has been playing shooting yeah. very well, and I think if you know he could well suit the midfield on 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 Sunday. But you know, um, I think he could be a massive impact. I think ten minutes when the team isn't expect him on the pitch, he can he can cause huge damage. But if he starts, I think it's it's uh, you can protect against him. Um, we we'll go back to the other side of it. You spoke about the turnover players, like you know Mayo have had a serious turnover in the back. The like Keith Higgins is gone, Colin Boyle has been injured, and he's obviously not getting any younger. Um, gone, um, yeah. He's, he's gone, right? So again, you talk up front, and you know, Conor is just back. So there's Andy Morton is gone. There's a big turn, but thing, those players, in fairness, they were ready to go. You know what I mean? They're, they 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 were in their thirties. Like for with the worrying for me, we saw Adrian Varley at the weekend against against Lego, you know. Ian Burke Michael Daly Declan Kine Owen Kern you know—you name all those players there's none of them in, the, in their 30s and like I just hope that the team that's there now are, are able to step up because you need a massive panel to, to, to be able to go but so, you know, so for me and I don't know enough about the young already players then, but Sunday is going to be a massive test for these guys now as David said they're three years together they need to be getting this victory and you know it's a day for them to prove that they're ready to step up to, to the big game you know, again, I'd like to see some of the other players that were there at a young age still there, bringing those young players through. So I hope there's not too many gone, and I hope there's not too many young youngfers coming to at the one time. So that's a big balance to to, to get right. Um, but answer your question, but you know, I think there's a spot in the middle from actually come come this game.
3: Last weekend, the championship started with wins for Leitrim over London and Sligo over New York. Kevin there feels a gulf though within Connacht between Mayo Galway Roscommon, and then the other two counties it's almost as if the teams are looking they're looking ahead almost if if whoever wins between Galway and Mayo when you talk to people from those counties they are, they automatically assume that they're going to play Roscommon in the Connacht final yeah. if they win on on this Sunday is that the way it is
2: it is, but that's the way it is. And, you know, as management, you're not that way because you know yourself, you, you can slip. And so, but it, definitely the feeling around you. And I suppose that's the hardest thing for players is the expectation of their supporters. It's, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's Leeds or it's Sligo, but you get you might get a tough game, but you're over. That's the kind of perception. But, but to be fair, if you look at the history, bar one or two plays, along, that's the way it has been for, for quite a while. So there's a reason for that. But look, there's no doubt about it. The three teams that you spoke, will be more eyeing each other up than, than anybody else. Uh, and I suppose you saw last Sunday that, you know, Sligo, they're coming out of Division 4. They seem to be improving a bit. I, I watched the game myself the last day, and, uh, but they were quite lucky. I mean, a ball hit the post. There was a minute to go, and it, it didn't go wide. If it did, they'd be facing the ball again. But they, they came out and went down and got a point and got a free afterwards whatever it was. So I don't think that Sligo or Leitrim are ready yet to, uh, to compete with the big three.
3: Oh, she was that a mate of yours, training, training New York? No, a neighbour,
6: neighbour club. Neighbour, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, cousin. Of, I think he's a cousin of Giesers as well. So, um, lad has been out there twelve years, been involved in lots and lots of uh, clubs out there, but also uh, he's done a lot of underage uh, development squad, So he's been he's been uh, involved for a long, long time. I'm Sure, he knows a lot of those players. A lot of those players were home based players, which was a uh probably a bit of a break from the norm. Obviously, there was a few names from uh, that we'd recognise, like uh, Varley and Medane. And, and a few. Yeah, but loads like of that. lads
3: born in New York playing yeah. for New York.
6: Yeah, one guy actually, uh, Keelan Mallers, whose dad played with a, a neighbouring club here as well. So, um, uh, the two Brosnans who are who are Kerry, um, who are Kerry based. Originally, as well, or well, their dad was, but they were all born in New York. So there's a whole new breed of of footballers coming along, and they look quite quite comfortable in their surroundings. And just be interesting now to get a crack at you know, uh, Tulchin Cup, and you know if, if that's something that can bring them on again. But uh I like what London have done, event event, or what uh, New York have done, eventually a little bit like London in that they've gone for more for you know home based players and players that you know, have come up through the ranks and come up through the system and, and also managers, you know, interesting that, you know, Michael Maher and uh, and and Johnny are two guys who have been involved in the underage before and have made the progression right through to management. So uh, it seems something that, again, will be uh,
3: long-term, will be better for both London and New York. Uh, can I ask you, the other game last weekend was, was, was Tyrone... Were you impressed with Tyrone? Yeah,
6: I was suitably impressed with them in that, you know, whenever they really needed that, but they opted, and they opted for for fifteen or twenty minutes, and and were able to drop off again a little bit. And you know, I know, you know, there's there's a worry about the amount of goal chances they give away and stuff, but they just seem to have that extra gear. I mean, right. I think Kevin made a really good point to start when he said about the gulf between what I've seen personally at Division 1 level and what I've seen even at Division 2 level. And I think, you know, come back to the goal with Mayo one, you know, our goal, we're properly prepared for, you know, what's coming at them at the weekend, uh, you know, as in playing um, Division 2 football, just the intensity levels and the quality and that. So, um, I, again, you know, Terome, you know, had, had gone through Division 1, uh, for Manor, Division 3 and the preparations were, were poles apart and, and I just felt as if Throne had another uh, couple of levels and I think to be honest Throne are in probably a decent place and usually in Ulster whenever you get drawn out in the preliminary round you go oh no, not the preliminary round but I think this was an occasion where the preliminary round will have done Throne absolutely
3: no harm whatsoever we, um, We're going to run through the the fixtures at the weekend and just call a winner Ushin, you had had an outstanding you had an outstanding league
0: Um,
3: Connacht Connacht, you're you're going for Mayo Yeah David, who'll win that, Mayo or
2: Galway?
5: I'll go for Mayo Mayo.
3: Kevin
2: I think the Division 2 was very poor this year I think the Derry match for Galway 3-8 the first half was superb if it tells me two things Galway played well, but Derry mustn't have turned up to, to a degree. So, I'm not sure how much to learn from that. So, with the Division one experience, um, I think mayo are going to be hard to take out.
3: Okay, the Leinster Football Championship begins this weekend, it's as if it isn't happening, all focus is elsewhere. Um, but there are six counties out for whom these are big games, Usheen Loud versus Carlo.
6: Uh, Loth, obviously, have had a have had a really good time, but uh, this is a sort of game which has tripped them up in the past. But I just think just a little bit too much quality, and also playing with a nice degree of confidence, um, and like they're going to be a Division Two team next year, so I think they feel as if they must step up and, and win this game, and there's a real focus on this game, so and they'll be,
3: they'll be aware of the deficiencies in the past in these games so uh loud for me D- david who do you think will win between loud and uh, loud and carlo
5: um i th- i probably have to say loud as well they've been building consistently the last couple of years and they're i think i think they're one of those teams since mickey hart came in there's been a real consistency in the players like you you see some of those teams that were in division 3 and 4 there's a good turnover of players year to year whereas there's consistency, there seems to be good sounds around the place. So I, I, uh, I definitely go for Loud, yeah.
3: And oshin who do you think will win between Leash and Wicklow?
5: I actually liked
6: what I said with Leash at the start of the year. If you look, if you think about the born Cup, and then you think about the first game against Loud um, when they turned them over, uh,
3: and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Leash. Just, just. Okay, um, and who do you think will win between Wexford and Offaly?
6: Um, it's a way It's an away game for awfully. Yeah, tricky, it is. Yeah, tricky, boss. Uh, I think awfully. I've seen enough from awfully, and I think they'll be hurting a little bit by the way the uh, the league finished. So I go awfully to win that one. Uh, David, uh, Leisha
3: Wicklow.
5: Um, I know there's a bit of turmoil down there in Wicklow. Are the change management? Uh, leash. Okay, um, and
3: awfully Wexford.
5: Uh, awfully. I like I like what they're doing. Okay, good call.
3: Um, huh. Kevin, uh, Loud and Carlo. Loud.
2: Leash and Wicklow. Leash.
3: Awfully Wexford.
2: I told you before you gave out to me, and I told you about awfully they yeah. weren't going that well. I'm going for a Wexford home home win.
3: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm nervous about it. There's quite a few injuries. And you called it exactly right about Offley before. I called it exactly right, which pains me to say it. There is no game in Munster this weekend. Um, it springs into life with Tipperary against Waterford and Clareby Limerick next weekend after next. So we'll come back to that. And as well as Donegal Armagh on Sunday, uh, the previous day, Antrim play Cavan. Oisin, how do you see this game going?
6: It's probably the trickiest one to call at the weekend, I think. Um, I think uh, Antrim are helped by the fact that, you know, David talked about teams having a cause. I think Antrim have a bit of a cause um, in the fact that they nearly had this game taken away from them, despite uh, the mammoth effort it took to get Corrigan Park to where it is. Yeah. Um, So uh, it's quite a unique venue. No, it's not quite a unique venue. It's a very unique venue. Um, and I think Antrim having played there Kevin won't be used to it Kevin coming out of Division 4 I thought less impressive than I would have thought at the start of the year Agreed uh, I'm going to go for Antrim just to just to squeak it
3: Okay Kevin Antrim or Kevin
2: Exactly what Oshin said I, I have to say I wasn't impressed with Kevin at all this year they were, I know they, they came through when they go to Division 4 but I don't believe that's where they should be or that's where they would have been two or four years ago so I just think Kevin are they're struggling at the minute. So I'm going to give um, Antrim the vote as well. And uh, David,
3: where how do you see it?
5: Yeah, I, I think Antrim as well. Just that, that case, the manager there for the last two years, getting players, doing things consistently, keeping a group together. There doesn't seem to be as many turnovers of players. And I think that makes a huge difference. There's a good good uh, atmosphere around them.
3: For the first time that we've uh, from, since we started this podcast, Everybody who's offered an opinion has called exactly the same team for for each match, the the whole way down. So it's Mayo, Loud, Leash, Offaly, and Antrim to um to win. So you're right or all right or all wrong Wexford. in all of this. And Wexford, Wexford, Paul. Oh, you call Wexford. That's true. Apologies, Ke- uh, yeah. Kevin. Um, I'll 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 reframe that. You don't um, want to hear so yeah, I just I suppose I'm in denial over that prospect. <laughs> the 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 thing to say though. Is it is great that there is championship football back going again. It is great to be able to go to games and that the, the world of Gaelic football is opening up again. And the hope has to be that we are in the early stages of what proves to be a huge championship. And I do I do think it's the most open championship of any All Ireland that has been played since well I will say since the Dawn of the dubs, um, strong era. I think it's a really open championship. So, washing, I'm just going to ask you to call a winner of that championship. Uh,
6: I like what Tyrone are doing. I'm going to go Tyrone okay, Kevin.
2: I'm going to go with Kerry. Uh, a, a lot on the basis, I think Dublin, Dublin have come back. Um, so they may not need to improve the whole pile. Um, Barr, I, I thought I thought they should have beaten Tyrone last year. I know Tyrone won it. Um, but I, I, I I'll go Kerry.
5: David, uh, I'd have to go with Curry as well. I think um, it's not that they're they're new; they've been there a couple of years. They're probably flattered to deceive. But the Jack O'Connor uh, in charge, even seeing the type of players he was pulling out in there. Was it the McGrath Cup games? Like there's there's a di- different atmosphere around them. Uh, I think uh, I, th- I think it's theirs to theirs to win this year.
3: Can anyone from Connacht win the All Ireland?
5: Um, I think it's a big ask for Mayo. Uh, if I'm honest, and I, I wouldn't count Galway in the in the picture so much. Uh, big ask for Mayo, uh, I suppose form wise, uh, injury wise. But amazingly, if 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 you get up near semi final, if they can go through the front door, win Connacht, uh, decent draw in a quarter final, I think anything can happen. The team seems to develop and move on very quickly. Uh, I think he used the league wisely. Uh, he was just trying to get one or two more players. Uh, there was huge chopping and changing. A lot of fe- fellas got game time, looking for that real strong, athletic type player. And uh, if you can add a few more of them in, um, he's probably looking for having twenty-two, twenty-three players that he can he can pick at any at any stage. He's probably found one or two. Maybe Jack Carney's one. Um,
0: yeah, Jordan
5: Flynn, I suppose, is a loss I suppose he he, he really developed, but um, you just don't know. Get to Co. Park, Mayo seem to be a different team at times.
3: Kevin, anyone from Mayo win the All-Ireland? Or anyone from Connacht win the All-Ireland?
2: Um,
5: I think I think
2: it's going to be a big ask because I think both of them have new players um, and I'm not so sure where they're at. Going with the league finals, um, I don't think either of them were, were, were All-Ireland um, winners by those two. And that's the last one we can go by. I think both teams actually want to win the games. What you say? Galway wanted to win that game and so did Mayo. So I'm not going to make any excuses. Um, they'll have a lot of improvement to, to win All-Ireland.
3: I want to finish. I know it's a Gaelic football
2: show. No, Paul, she...
6: Paul, Paul, can we can we get you on record? Because last year, you just kept chopping and changing, and then with about five minutes to go, and the All Ireland finally said Tyrone. I think. So can we get you? Can we get you, Can we get you on record this year,
3: please? I, I think I texted you when the when the fourth official put up the board <laughs> to say that I fancy Tyrone for this one. Um, no, uh, I, I think Dublin will win the All Ireland. Uh, that's who, That's who. That's who I think will do it. Um and uh, yeah, now I know why you kept chopping and changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I I mean, uh, if if the evidence changes, I'll change my mind later later in the year. But I'd like to see a bit of football first, and depend on what Dublin do I do want to, I do want to finish. Um, I do want to finish on a non GA related matter. Oshin, how are you after United last night? Uh,
6: this is as bad as it's ever been. Are you okay, um, though? No. Are you okay? Uh, not really, no. Um, It was an absolute... It's an absolute mess. On top of the- I think the only thing is, Paul, me, me and you need to get over there. Sort it out. Um, <laughs> put a few zeros on our paychecks and uh, see if we can get to the bottom of it. But, like, when you listen to Neville and, and Keane yeah. and Souness and Carraher last night, it just tells you how bad it is. and And... When you see City and Liverpool playing, it just shows you how far you have to go. And then you have the decision as a United supporter to see which team you want to win the league. I know, it's City, like, go oh, on, answer City,
0: it.
3: City, City, City or Liverpool.
6: <laughs> I can't even, I can't bring myself to answer it. But I probably would go down on, the on considering the amount of Liverpool supporters that are around me and annoy me on a consistent basis, probably City.
0: Yeah.
3: It's, it's it's such a choice it's such a disaster it's like like, choosing
6: your, it's like choosing your favorite child
3: yeah yeah and 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 in that just one last question on that is there any man united player in the who who that you would keep in the squad well, we're probably going to have to keep some of them but de hair no. would you keep de hair
6: as a backup yeah was a backup for Robinson, probably. But uh, other than that, they're a mess. I mean, Pogba.
3: Don't get me started on Pogba. Uh, but he had a serious injury last night, in fairness to him. He he he, he, he went had, to war last night.
6: And I have to say, he probably decided about Friday evening that that injury, that he was going to have that injury. And he knew in his head at what stage he was going to come off. He's a disgrace altogether. But anyhow.
3: David, when you look at soccer goalkeepers and you look at, I'd look at David de Gea, or you look at the way the, mod- the modern soccer goalkeeper has changed. How have have you brought? Did you bring any of that into Gaelic football?
5: How the soccer goalkeepers changed. Um, not sure that I bring. It. Like I think I think it's only really coming in now the playmaking aspect of it. Uh, from my playing time, I think I was very orthodox. I didn't didn't come too far out. Oh hold pitch, on now, you know.
3: hold on now. I watched the uh, Mayo quarter final last year. And uh, I, I had the sight of David Clark going by the midfield. What happened there?
5: Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm trying to learn the like the rest of them now. I'm trying to learn like the rest of them. Yeah, it's, uh, I was definitely changing. Yeah, there's times you you will you will have a go. Um, it's uh, why did you why did you end up being a goalie? Um, probably last picture, I think, in the air. if i honest, I <laughs> suppose. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, I, I liked it. It's Peter Schmeichler wasn't the man of my time. He was he was the thing, and I think it was just something that's in you. I, I'm just all goalkeeper. Uh, didn't have any real interest in playing outfield. I might have played one game under ten or something or under eight, and I uh, was been in goal since. Uh, I think I was one of these young players. I was able to dive on concrete in the yard, and I wasn't able to get hurt. So <laughs> I was. Uh, I, I started going from then, but uh, I, I was awful lucky in the club. A couple of my first coaches and school teachers were goalkeepers or former goalkeepers, and there's probably a bit of pushing in that direction. Don't really remember it, but there must be that must have got something got to do with it. But yeah, the game is definitely changing. You can see you can see it developing the, I'm still not hundred percent sure about the outfield players converting back. I think it's um I'm not sure if you can win in all Ireland with that. If you looked back through the years there's been big moments in games like um in finals, it might be only one There might be only one shot or two shots, and you might you might need your goalkeeper to make that save. And it kind of annoys me sometimes. You can see the 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 fellas that are converted, the way they make an effort to save the ball, it just doesn't look right. And maybe it's goalkeeper snobbery, but it looks like that they're they just yeah, can don't you have look the movement. Somebody,
3: can you look at somebody and say, Look, there's there's a natural goalkeeper, or there's someone who's been at this a long time, as against some there's someone who's converted.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, you you might be able to see that. Um, some of it is not even if they make the save, the way they try to make the save. But I like. I think one of my first coaches said to me, and I remember it kind of stuck with me that maybe to be a Gaelic goalkeeper, it's not about the save. It really, it's about consistency. And you know, any ball that comes into your catches, any ball that you get, give a good pass out. Move down to to kickouts. Then, but when you get to the real top level. Um, the way teams are playing now, trying to win all earnest, there is goal chances given up on the opposite end. You cannot, you cannot park the bus and, we are not going to concede a, a, goal opportunity and try and win a game. So that there is going to be one or two chances in a game, and I suppose Stephen Cluxton was it a number of years ago in Kerry. He made he made a few excellent saves in the final and probably, got them through the first day, helped them win the second day. And it's uh, you it will be probably found out, but I suppose it, it could be you the high have, deficiency.
3: You with, do you have a friendship with uh, Stephen Cluxton?
5: I would have only met him once or twice out socially, and in fairness to him, very engaging and like talking goalkeeping. I was trying to pick his brain. He was telling me he was playing soccer on Sundays, and he was playing—I don't know—that handball or squash. Like he, you know, he he talked. Yeah, very nice fellow. But I wouldn't know him personally. I wouldn't have his number or anything like that. But he'd uh, he definitely engage if you met him out. There might be a few beers involved now. <laughs> and
3: did you did you did you consciously imitate things that him or that other goalkeepers did?
5: Um, ah, did I imitate them? I I, I was always learning. Yeah, that would be like maybe the first thing. I, if I was watching a game, maybe on playback, I nearly just watched the goalkeepers' kickouts. Like the big thing for me was the kickouts. Trying to change, um, change my kickout style. Trying to you know learn. I was looking with Rob Henley. He did a lovely strike and and style. So I was trying to learn off him. But it took me a while to actually realise you can only be as good as what God has given you. You can get a bit better at it, whereas you kind of try and be a copycat. You find out what you're good at, try and get a bit better at that. Maybe develop a small few things, but like there was periods when I was trying to do things I'm probably just not able to do. So I had to probably get into my mind what I can and That's can't awesome. do.
3: What do, you, what do you mean by that?
5: I uh, like the way the game went for a while. It was pinging fellas on the run 40, 50 yards. I was trying to do them and the ball was hanging and the fellow would be been put under awful pressure. So for a while there, my game changed to get out as quick as I could, get the ball in the tee and just get a moving within three or four seconds we had a team that was full of runners maybe that that was around me too that was the type of team we had uh, I probably shied away for a good number of years going for those maybe uh, arrows out of the wing probably wasn't what I was good at but it, maybe when I when I realised that and the team realised that we were able to you know accommodate that side of me it's different than if you do if a different goalkeeper I find it strange when people bring in a goalkeeper and they expect one Philip to do the same as the other you know everyone has different, different attributes but um that that was just something for me.
3: How did you get on with Rob Henley?
5: Yeah, good. We were room together for years, and probably very different characters, you know. Um, I'd be a bit quieter; he'd be a lot more outgoing. But yeah, got on well. Very much huge competition between us, which was probably great. But uh, at the same time, was it
3: though? What what was it great?
5: Um, I, looking back on it, I often wonder if I had been the undisputed number one, would I have you know been able to work on these things? Um, maybe that arrow kick out, maybe different things. But I, I think when I played my best football, uh, I was under huge pressure. I was probably only coming in halfway through the year. I was um, every training session that I was at. It was like, jeez, if I do bad here tonight, I could be gone out of the team. Like I, I, I was. I felt like I was under huge pressure all the time. But that's when I ended up playing some of my best football. Whereas a couple of years before that, maybe the competition wasn't as as intense and. Probably didn't help me raise uh, my standards. Probably didn't help me look at my game. So uh, I tell you one thing: it was uh, mentally draining. <laughs> but at the same time, w- when you play well, y- you've got that bit of enjoyment. Now, I wouldn't have liked to have done. You know, maybe maybe, um, maybe maybe there's another side of it as well. If if you are that undisputed uh, player, you you have a bit more confidence. But for me, anyway, I I there was a weird enjoyment out of it.
3: So. So I I I know myself playing at a totally different level at club that I didn't do well with doubt. I needed no doubt as to whether I will be playing or not. And uh, were you the same machine? Um
6: I never really went through that that period during during my career until right at the end. Yeah. And then I had a more or less i had gone from knowing that I was gonna play and to be playing to knowing that I wasn't going to be playing and uh, I couldn't really handle that end of things. Uh, I don't know, it was insecurity or what it was, but um, I just you know, I I got away from it then because I I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I knew that my reaction wouldn't have been good enough for uh for me or the team around me. And there's only so much um. There's only so much putting a brave face on things I could have done and I did 12 months of it and after that then I knew it was it was gone for me to be honest. So I like I like the certainty and I liked I like David talks about the certainty but I like the certainty and I also like the responsibility I like the free kicks I like the the you know the penalties all that sort of thing
3: so. But but David I'm particularly thinking of that All-Ireland final that ended in a draw and you played very well and then the replay you're out. How,
5: how, how did that feel like? Not great, I suppose. Um, I was kind of funny, though. I was, I was probably at a stage there. I was, you know, quite mature. Earlier on that year, uh, you know, we, we, we used to have different people in with us. You know, uh, I don't know, the psychologists or people that that helps you um, with your head and thoughts. Like but, uh, earlier on that year, I remember you kind of had to give yourself over to everything. Like I, I didn't, I didn't start at the start of those years. I, I, only came in. I think was it after the first championship game. Like so, I, I had been out of the team. I think I played one league match. Uh, so, I, I was, and then, then I got, a, got a run of games. Obviously, but oh, I was probably, um, probably definitely at a stage where it was about a bit more about the team. Now, look, don't get me wrong. When the manager told me I was fucking and blinding, and I was, <laughs> I was throwing things, and I was shouting to myself, but. You know, a few hours later, um, you know, you try and you try and dust yourself down and you go into into the group and basically um it can't be about you. Like I, I was probably quite lucky in a way, quite reserved. I never showed much emotion either way. So I was able to get away with things feeling disappointed. But um I definitely knew that if I let myself down and I was called upon in that game, that if I didn't prepare myself right, like geez, it's it's a scary place to be going into a game. If something did happen to a goalkeeper and you weren't weren't in the right frame of mind, so that that was my first my first thing. And that's probably pure sh- selfishness. If anything goes wrong here and I have to command that I need to be to right, so I don't 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 you know make matters completely worse. But yeah, it wasn't great. But decision was made as it explained to me, and you kind of you get on with it. Like there was there was murmurings and those whispers around the place after that. After the first game, you know, there was a few kickouts went wrong and there was, you know, pressure on kickouts. It was was the time, no matter what kickout either one of us made, it was good or bad or the other one could be better. But it um, didn't work out in the end anyway for the team. We still didn't win. but but, uh...
3: You've mentioned a few times there about that you were reserved, but you, every time there seemed to be a Mayo press night before an All-Ireland final, you were the one who was put out. You were often put out. Why is that?
5: Yeah, prob- probably a bit of that reason that I was quite reserved. I look, I, I looking back at it now, I probably feel sorry for some of the reporters that were going through those things because there was probably two or three people put out there to say nothing to them. And it was hard to get any type of story out of anybody. You, you're were you ever told to a, what
3: to say before those nights? Were you ever
5: told, you know, here's our line, this is what ah, uh, you, you You were given a few few pointers pretty much, I think it's the same with every team, you know, the other team are good, we still think we can win, you know, good belief in the atmosphere, in, in the group, atmosphere in the group, uh, the process, all these words, you know, you, you probably had a few of them in your head going out, out. but uh, I suppose I was at a stage too, in a lot of them, whereas I wouldn't have had a major social media, um, you know, any type of social media, I wouldn't have any endorsements, like I wasn't really getting anything out of it, I wasn't really doing anything for me do, doing that, whereas, wasn't really a distraction if if i went on it wasn't really going to benefit my job It wasn't really going to benefit my endorsements so like it was one of those things like don't get me wrong i didn't really like doing them (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't be a real uh, you know speaker out in public it wouldn't be something that i'd i'd get me kicks off but if it was something i could do for the team if i was asked to do the job like there was those times i was put out i wasn't even playing like i was sub and it's um it's nearly embarrassing for everyone. But you went out there and you were one of the numbers and you, you gave your spiel and you, and you came off and hopefully nothing nothing blew up the next day that you're giving the other team a cause. But I definitely felt sorry. I met some of those reporters and journalists on a couple of all-star tours and like you're talking to them and you're, you're nearly embarrassing what you, what you were trying to say to them. They're only trying to do a job too. And in fairness to them, I don't think any of the fellas I've met, you know, all good guys, they're never trying to really catch you out. But that was that was the time and the way.
3: I wait. I wait to say say nothing. Oshim, were you ever trusted on a press night?
6: Yeah, no, I would have done. I would have done quite a few uh, press nights. Uh, I, it was probably slightly different, you know, for the majority of my career, in that gays could ring you up and arrive at the house or meet you somewhere and spend a couple of hours with you and and do like a full piece with you. And I think those days are sort of gone now. Where the most of what journalists are getting is is sitting down at some sort of event or or before a, an all Ireland final or whatever it is um, so yeah the things would have changed a little bit I would have been a lot more open to uh, you know to meeting lads or lads coming to the house or different things I would have got to know a lot of those journalists you know um, down through the years and as I say I would have been. As open as I possibly could be without being stupid about it, because I remember I got a harsh lesson the first championship match I played. I uh, our journalist asked me to to what I really thought about Tyrone, uh, ter- <laughs> Tyrone Tyrone's full back line off the record. And I said I thought they were absolutely horrendous. And I thought uh, <laughs> I, I I thought that uh, I would have a field day against them. And it was my first, it was my debut for AMA. And uh, I remember Adrian Cush coming running up the pitch to tell uh, Paul Devlin, who wasn't somebody who held back anyway, um, that uh, was he aware of what I'd said about him in the paper. And that was the first I knew that. The stuff that was off the record was on the record, and <laughs> and, uh, and I I paid a I paid a fairly hefty price for it uh, physically from then until the end of the game. <laughs> so uh, I suppose that was a good. I think that was a good learning for me uh, early on, but it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't deter, deter me away from you know speaking to media and that. I've always felt it was fairly open, and, and I enjoyed that end of things because. I also felt that whenever you know those occasions or those press around those cameras around, just felt it actually focused the mind because you knew the games were getting bigger and the and and uh, you know the
3: attention on the games were getting bigger and there's a bigger
6: onus on you to perform and I like that end kind of things.
3: I I used to I I I came at it from a kind of different angle. Um, playing club football in Offaly. I was a reporter for the local paper and had to report on uh, matches that I was playing in. <laughs> And we beat um we we beat we beat Eden Derry and everyone knew I was doing it, so i had I'll have a bit of fun with it. We beat Eden Derry, um, who were then county champions in the first round of the championship, second round of the championship, and um I put in a line about myself, come at the hour, come at the man. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it uh, yeah, caused a small bit of uh, problems for myself, but um yeah. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, and to everyone at Examiner Sport. Um, a huge thanks to Ushin and especially to David Clark and to Kevin Walsh for joining us today. We'll be back soon. A grain of A grain of rice. rice to keep. Tip- Game. Just remember like that. That's a small bit of a needle now. Come on. Leo, you gotta get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, rolling. And I can tell you, tell you,
0: there won't be a cold
7: milk I'll declare for at least a week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.